or Adam's needle, and the other the dwarf palm. I resolved to avail myself of both for further fortifying my enclosure at Tent House, and also to protect the outer side of the narrow pass immediately over the torrent of the Cascade. I determined to return and plant a line of them there as close to each other as the consideration of their growth would allow. For my intention, of course, was to effect this by means of the young shoots which presented themselves in great abundance. We also hoped by that time to find their fruit ripe and to ascertain their kind. We repassed the river in safety, and accompanied by the agreeable sounds of its foaming cascades, we regained the narrow pass at the turn of the rocks. We proceeded with caution, and when safe on the other side, we thought of quickening our pace to arrive the sooner at the hut. The first solicitudes about health and safety being answered, we entered upon the narrative of our adventures. When question after question was so rapidly proposed to us that we, on our parts, were obliged to ask the necessary time for our replies. All agreed that our success with the buffalo was the most extraordinary of achievements. All longed for the morning when they might take their fill at look at the spirited creature we had brought with us. The day concluded with the supper and sound repose had before proposed. It was with this design that I had taken care to bring with me several of the most capacious of the gourd rinds. I made deep incisions in the trunks and fixed some large leaves of trees partly doubled together lengthways to the place to serve as a sort of channel to conduct the sap to the vessels I had kept in readiness to receive it. We had not long be begun this process before we perceived the sap begin to run out as white as milk and in large drops so that we were not without hopes by the time of our return to find the vessels full and thus to have obtained a sufficient quantity of the ingredient for our first experiment. We left the sap running and pursued our way which led us to the wood of cocoa trees. From thence we passed to the left and stopped halfway between the bamboos and the sugar canes, intending to furnish ourselves with a provision of each. We aimed our course so judiciously that on clearing the skirts of the wood we found ourselves in an open plain, with the sugar cane plantations on our left and on our right, those of bamboo interspersed with various kinds of palm trees, and in front, the magnificent bay formed by Cape Disappointment, which stretched far out into the sea. The prospect that now presented itself to our view was of such exquisite beauty that we determined to choose it for our resting place and to make it the central point of every excursion we should in future make. And penetrable boots and shoes as I were even more than half disposed to desert our pretty falcon stream and transport our possessions hither. I for this time harnessed to it both the ass and the cow, as I expected the load would be increased on our return. And we set out, taking the road of the potato and manoic plantations. Our first halt was at the tree of the colony of birds, which I now examined with more attention, and recollecting to what species they belonged, by naturalist named Loxia gregory, a sociable grosbeak. It was not without much difficulty that we conducted the cart through the thick, entangled bushes, the most intricate of of which I everywhere cut down, and we helped to push it along with all our strength. We succeeded tolerably well at last, and that the poor animals might have time to rest, we determined to pass several hours in this place, which furnished such a variety of agreeable and useful objects. 
We began by gathering a bagful of the guavas, and after regaling ourselves plentifully, we put the remainder into the cart. We continued our way and soon arrived at the kotachok, or gum elastic trees. I thought we could not do better than to halt here and endeavor to collect a sufficient quantity of the sap to make the different utensils. The Swiss Family Robinson, Chapter 24 A New Domain the troop of buffaloes, the vanquished hero. On entering our plantation of fruit trees, forming the avenue to Falcon Stream, we observed that they had not a vigorous appearance, and that they inclined to curve a little in the stalk. We therefore resolved to support them with sticks, and I proposed to walk to the vicinity of Cape Disappointment for the purpose of cutting some bamboos. I had no sooner pronounced the words than the three eldest boys and their mother exclaimed at once that they would accompany me. Their curiosity had been excited by our accounts of the musing objects we had met with in our visit to the spot. Each found a sound and special reason why he must not fail to be of the party. Our provision of candles was nearly exhausted and a new stock of berries must therefore be procured. For my wife now repaired our clothing closed by candlelight, while I employed myself in composing a journal of the events of each day. Then the sow had again deserted us, and nothing could be so probable as that we should find her in the acorn wood. Jack would fain gather some guavas for himself, and Francis must needs see the plantation of sugar canes, in short, all would visit this land of Canaan. We accordingly fixed the following morning, and set out in full procession. For myself, I had a great desire to explore more thoroughly this part of our island. I therefore made some preparations for sleeping, should we find the day too short for all we might have to accomplish. I took the cart instead of the sledge, having fixed some planks across it for Francis and his mother to sit upon when they should be tired. I was careful to be provided with the different implements we might want. Some rope machinery I had contrived for rendering the climbing of trees more easy, and lastly some provisions, some water in our gourd flask, and one bottle of wine from the captain's store. When all was placed in the car, a moment's reflection, however, betrayed the folly of quitting the thousand comforts we had there. With almost incredible industry assembled, and we dismissed the thought without promising ourselves to include this ravishing spot evermore in our projects for excursion. We disengaged the animals that they might graze and refresh themselves under the shade of the palm trees, and sat down to enjoy our own repast and to converse on the beauty of the scene. It was now evening, and as we had determined to pass the night in this enchanting spot, we began to think of forming some large branches of trees into a sort of hut, as is practiced by the hunters in America, to shelter us from the dew and the coolness of the air. While we were thus engaged, we were suddenly roused by the loud braying of the ass which we had left to graze at a distance but a short time before. On going to the place, we saw him throwing his head in the air and kicking and prancing about, and while we were thinking what could be the matter, he set off on a full gallop. Unfortunately, Turk and Flora, whom we sent after him, took the fancy of entering the plantation of the sugar canes, while the ass had preferred the direction of the bamboos on the right. We began to fear the approach of some wild beast, might have frightened the creature into think of assembling our firearms. 
In a little time, the dogs return and show no signs by scenting the ground or otherwise of any pursuit. I made a turn round the hut to see that all was well, and then sallied forth with Fritz and the two dogs in the direction the ass had taken, hoping that the latter might be enabled to trace him by the scent. Fatigued and vexed with the loss of the useful creature, I entered the hut, which I found complete, the boys having covered it with sailcloth and strewed branches on the ground for sleeping, and collected some reeds for making a fire, which the freshness of the evening air rendered agreeable to all. It served us also for cooking our supper. When all was safe, I watched and replenished the fire till midnight, rather from habit than fear of wild beasts, and then took possession of the little corner assigned me near my slumbering companions. The following morning, we breakfasted on some milk from the cow, some boiled potatoes, and a small portion of Dutch cheese, and formed during our meal the plan of the business for the day. It was decided that one of the boys and myself, attended by the two dogs, should seek the ass through the bamboo plantation. I took with me the agile Jack, who was almost beside himself with joy at this determination. We soon reached the bamboo plantation and found means to force ourselves along its intricate entanglements. After great fatigue, and when we were on the point of relinquishing all further hope, we discovered the print of the ass's hood, the soil which inspired us with new ardor in the pursuit. After spending a whole hour in further endeavors, we at length, on reaching the skirts of the plantation, perceived the sea in the distance, and soon after found ourselves in an open space with which bounded the great bay. A considerable river flowed into the bay at this place, and we perceived that the ridge of rocks which we had constantly seen extended to the shore and terminated in a perpendicular precipice, leaving only a narrow passage between the rocks and the river, which during every flukes of the tide must necessarily be under water, but which at this moment was dry and pa passable. The probability that the ass would prefer passing by this narrow way to the hazard of the water determined us to follow in the same path. We had also some curiosity to ascertain what might be found on the other side of rocks, for as yet we were ignorant whether they formed a boundary to our island or divided it into two portions, whether we should see their land or water. We continued to advance, and at length reached a stream which issued foaming from a large mass of rock and fell in an ascade into the river. The bed of this stream was so deep and its course so rapid that we were a long time finding a part where it might be most practicable for us to cross. When we had got to the other side, we found the soil again sandy and mixed with a fertile kind of earth. In this place we no longer saw naked rock, but the print of the ass's hooves were again visible on the ground. By observing closely, we saw with astonishment the prints of the feet of other animals, much larger and different in many respects from those of the ass. Our curiosity was so strongly excited that we resolved to follow the traces, and they conducted us to a plain at a great distance which presented to our wandering eyes a terrestrial paradise. We ascended a hill which partly concealed from our view this delicious scene, and then, with the assistance of a glass, we beheld an extensive range of country exhibiting every kind of rural beauty in which a profound tranquillity had seemed to take up its abode. To our right appeared the majestic wall of rocks which divided the island. Some of these appeared to touch the heavens others to imprint the clouds with wild, fantastic forms, while mist is broken into pieces partially concealed their tops. 
To the left, a chain of gently rising hills, the long green verdure of which, tinged with blue, stretched as far as the eye could discern, and where interspersed at agreeable distances with little woods of palm trees. The river we had crossed flowed in a serpentine course through this exquisite valley, presenting the idea of a broad, floating silver ribbon, while its banks were adorned with reeds and various aquatic plants. I could with difficulty take my eyes from this enchanting spectacle, and I seated myself on the ground to contemplate and enjoy it at my leisure. Neither on the plain nor on the hills was there the smallest trace of the abode of man, nor of any kind of cultivation. It was everywhere a virgin soil, in all its original purity, nothing endowed with life appeared to view, excepting a few birds which flew fearlessly around us, and a quantity of brilliantly colored butterflies, which the eye frequently confounded with different sorts of unknown flowers which here and there diversified the surface of the soil. By straining our eyes, however, as far as we could see, we thought we perceived at a great distance some specks upon the land that seemed to be in motion. We hastened towards the spot, and as we drew nearer to our inexpressible surprise, beheld a pretty numerous group of animals which in the assemblage presented something like the outlines of a troop of horses or of cows. I observed them sometimes run up to each other, and then suddenly stoop to get graze. Though we had not lately met with farther traces of the ass, I was not entirely without the hope of finding him among these animals. On a nearer approach we perceived they were wild buffaloes. This animal was formed at first sight to inspire the beholder with terror. It is endowed with an extraordinary degree of strength, and two or three of them would have been capable of destroying us in a moment should they attack us. My alarm was so great that I remained for a few moments fixed to the spot like a statue. By good luck, the dogs were far behind us, and the buffaloes gave no sign of fear or of displeasure at our approach. They stood perfectly still with their large round eyes, fixed upon us in vacant surprise. Those which were lying down got up slowly, but not one among them seemed to have any hostile disposition toward us. The circumstance of the dog's absence was most likely on this occasion the means of our safety, as it was. We had time to draw back quietly and prepare our firearms. It was not, however, my intention to make use of them in any way but for defense. Being sensible that we were unequal to the encounter, and recollecting also to have read that the sound of a gun drives the buffalo to a state of desperation, I therefore thought only of retreating, and with my poor Jack, for whom I was more alarmed than for myself, was proceeding in this way when unfortunately Turk and Flora ran up to us and we could see where were noticed by the buffaloes. The animals instantly and all together set up such a roar as to make our nerves tremble. They struck their horns and their hoofs upon the air, which they tore up by pieces and scattered in the air. I, with horror, foresaw the moment when, confounding us with the dogs, which no doubt they mistook for jackals, they would seize upon and tear us to pieces. Our brave Turk and Flora, fearless of danger, ran, in spite of all our efforts, into the midst of them, and according to their manner of attacking, laid hold of the ears of a young buffalo, which happened to be standing a few paces nearer to us than the rest. And though the creature began a tremendous roar and motion with his hooves, they held him fast and was dragging him toward us. 
Thus hostilities had commenced, and unless we could resolve to abandon the cause of our valiant defenders, we were now forced upon the measure of open war, which, considering the strength and number of the enemy, wore a face of the most pressing and inevitable danger. Our every hope seemed now to be in the chance of the terror of the buffaloes would feel the noise of our musketry, which perhaps for the first time would assail their organs, and most likely excite them to flight. With thou must confess that palpitating heart and trembling hands we fare both at the same moment. The buffaloes, terrified by the sound and by the smoke, remained for an instant motionless, as if struck by a thunderbolt, and then one and all betook themselves to flight with such incredible rapidity that they were soon beyond the reach of our sight. We heard their loud roaring from a considerable distance, which we by degrees subsided into silence, and we were left with one of their terrific species near us. This one, a female, was no doubt the mother of the young buffalo, which the dogs had seized and still kept a prisoner. She had drawn near on hearing its cries and had been wounded by our guns, but not killed. The creature was in a furious state. After a moment's pause, she took aim at the dogs, and with her head on the ground as if to guide her by the scent, was advancing in her rage, and would have torn them to pieces if I had not prevented her by firing upon her with my double-barreled gun, and, then, and thus putting an end to her existence." It was only now that we began to breathe. A few moments before death in the most horrible and inevitable form seemed to stare us in the face, but now we might hope that every danger was over. I was enchanted with the behavior of my boy, instead of giving way to fears and lamentations as other lads of his age might have done, had stood all the time in a firm posture by my side and had fared with a steady aim in silence. I bestowed freely on him the commendation he had so well deserved, and made him sensible how necessary it is, in times of danger, to preserve a presence of mind, which in many cases is of itself sufficient to effect the sought-for deliverance. The young buffalo still remained a prisoner, with his ears in the mouths of the dogs, and the pain occasioned him to be so furious that I was fearful he might do them some injury. I therefore determined to advance and give them what assistance I might find practicable. To say the truth, I scarcely knew in what way to effect this. The buffalo, though young, was strong enough to revenge himself if I were to give the dogs a sign to let go his ears. I had the power of killing him with a pistol at a stroke, but I had a great desire to preserve him alive and to tame him that he might be a, a, be a substitute for the ass, which we had but little hope of recovering. I found myself in a perplexing state of indecision when Jack suddenly interposed an effective means of accomplishing my wishes. He had his string with balls in his pocket. He drew it out hastily, and making a few steps backward, he threw it so skillfully as to entangle the buffalo completely and throw him down. As I could then approach him safely, I tied his legs two and two together with a very strong cord. The dogs released his ears, and from this moment we considered the buffalo as our own. Jack was almost mad with joy. What a magnificent creature! How much better than the ass he will look! Harnessed to the cart, how my mother and the boys will be surprised and stare at him as we draw near! Repeated he many and many times. The question was now how we were to get the buffalo home. Having reflected, I conceived the best way would be to tie his two forelegs together so tight that he could not run, yet loose enough for him to walk, and persuade I we will next adopt the method practiced in Italy. You will think it somewhat cruel, but the success will be certain, and it shall afterwards be our study to make him amends by the kindest care and treatment. 
Hold you the cord which confines his legs with all your strength that he may not be able to move. I then called Turk and Flora and made each again take hold of the ears of the animal. I took from my pocket a sharp pointed knife and taking hold of the snout I made a hole in the nostril into which I quickly inserted the string which I immediately tied so closely to a tree that the animal was prevented from the least motion of the head which might have inflamed the wound and increased his pain. I drew off the dogs the moment the operation was performed. The creature thus rendered furious would have run away, but the stricture of the legs and the pain in the nostril prevented it. The first attempt I made to pull the cord found him docile and ready to accommodate his motions to our designs, and I perceived that we might now begin our march. I left him for a short time to make some other preparations. I was unwilling to leave so fine a prey as the dead buffalo behind us. I therefore, after considering what was to be done, began by cutting out the tongue, which I sprinkled with some of the salt we had in our provision bag. I next took off the skin from the four feet, taking care not to tear it in the operation. I remembered that the Americans use these skins, which are of a soft and flexible quality, as boots and shoes, and I considered them as precious articles. I lastly cut some of the flesh of the animal with the skin on, and salted it, and abandoned the rest of the dogs as a recompense for their behavior. I then repaired to the river to wash myself, after which we sat down under the shade of a large tree and ate the rest of our provisions. As we were not disposed to leave the spot in a hurry, I desired Jack to take the saw and cut down a small quantity of the reeds, which from their enormous size might be of use to us. We set to work, but I observed that he took pains to choose the smallest. What shall we do, said I, with these small-sized reeds? You are thinking, I presume, of a bagpipe to announce a triumphal arrival to our companions? You are mistaken, father, answered Jack. I am thinking of some candlesticks for my mother, who has set so high a value on them. This is a good thought, said I. I am pleased both with the kindness and the readiness of your invention, and I will assist you to empty the reeds without breaking them. If we should not succeed, at least we know where to provide ourselves with more. We had so many and such heavy articles to remove that I dismissed for that day all thoughts of looking further for the ass. I began now to think of untying the young buffalo, and on approaching him perceived with pleasure that he was asleep, which afforded me a proof that his wound was not extremely painful. As I began to pull him gently with a string, he gave a start, but he afterwards followed me without resistance. I fastened another string to his horns, and led him on by drawing both together, and he performed the journey with so unexpected a docility that to ease ourselves of a part of our heavy burdens, we even ventured on the measure of fastening the bundles of reeds upon his back, and upon these we laid the salted pieces of the buffalo. The creature did not seem aware that he was carrying a load. He followed in our path as before, and thus on the first day of our acquaintance he rendered us an essential service. In a short time we found ourselves once more at the narrow passage between the torrent and the precipice of the rocks, which I had already mentioned. I had tied the young buffalo to a tree near the cascade without remarking of what species it might be. When I went to release him, I saw that it was a kind of small palm tree, and on looking about me I was observed some other palm trees, which I had not before met with. One of the kinds, I now remarked, was from ten to twelve feet in height. Its leaves were armed with thorns, and it bore a fruit resembling a small cucumber in form, but which at this time was immature, so that we could not taste it. The second, which was smaller, was also thorny. It was now in blossom and had no fruit. I suspected that the first of these was the little royal palm, sometimes called a wava, 